This is KMTT. Today, on Mondays, we have a shear of Harav Yemen Tavori, who this year will be examining different responses, Shalot Yitzhuvot, from the major ones from the 18th and 19th century. Harav Tavori. Last week, we discussed Tshuvos of Rav Tzvi Ashkenazi, the Chacham Tzvi. Today, we will learn about his son, Rabbi Yaakov Emdin, who called himself the Yavitz, Yaakov Emdin ben Tzvi. He was born in 1697 and learned mostly by his father. Because of that, he inherited the Derech Halimud, the style of his father's learning, and will, as we remember, the Chacham Tzvi, although born to an Ashkenazi family, went to learn in a Sephardi yeshiva, and took upon himself many of the customs of Sephardim, as well as the Derech Halimud of the Sephardim. Rabbi Yaakov Emden, like his father, was a very strong character who held his positions very, very critically against people who disagreed with him. Of course, he was very famous for his involvement in the controversy against the followers of Shabtai Tzvi. As his father, he was not only known as a great Tamit Chacham, but he was well-versed in secular subjects as well. He knew many languages. Rabbi Yaakov Emdin did not serve as a rabbi most of his life. He was actually a jeweler involved in business. For five years, he was the Rav of Emden, hence the name Rabbi Yaakov Emden. He wrote many pamphlets, treatises, which were mostly attacks and critiques on other people, especially the Shabtai Tzvi followers. The famous, the most famous uh, discussion of that time, of course, revolved around his controversy between Rebionis and Apeshitz and him. He accused Rebionis and Apeshitz, who was known as a great Gadol, the author of the Urim Vetumim, of the Aros Devash, and Rabbi Yaakov Emden accused him of being a, a follower of Shabtai Tzvi. The son of Rebionis and Apeshitz actually became a definite follower of Rabbi Shabtai Tzvi. This uh, famous uh, disputation caused the Rabbi Yaakov Emden to leave his home and he moved to Amsterdam where he wrote a pamphlet, Torah Saknaos, very much against the Shabtai Tzvi movement. He had very unusual ideas about many areas. Some of them we'll discuss in the Chuvos, but for example, it was known that he denied the authorship of Reb Shimba Yochai of the, to the Sefer Azawar. He at least uh, said parts of it were certainly not from Reb Shimba Yochai. He also had a d- dispute against the authorship of the Rambam's Mora Nevuchim. And he also said that part of it at least may not have been written by Mora Nevuchim. Many scholarly monographs have been written about the controversies of Rabbi Yonas and Apeshitz and Rabbi Yaakov Emdin, as well as Rabbi Yaakov Emdin's opinions regarding the Zohar and the Mar Nevuchim. 
Rabbi Yaakov Emden wrote his own biography. He also wrote his father's biography. He's also famous for a Siddur. The Siddur of Rabbi Yaakov Emden, actually different versions of the Siddur came out. In that Siddur, he has many interesting comments about Diktuk, about Hebrew, uh, in general, a very important Siddur for many important customs. We'll dis- discuss mostly, of course, the Tshuvos, some of the chuvos of Rabbi Yaakov Emdin relate to his father's chuvos. One of them we mentioned last week that the Chacham Tzvi discussed if someone was created from the Sefer HaYetzira, what we call a golem, if he could count for a minion. And uh, Rabbi Yonas and Eipshitz, I'm sorry, Rabbi Yaakov Emdin strengthened his father's position, actually uh, raised more objections why it would be that a person, such a person, if you could call it a person, would not count for a minion. As I said before, many of the uh, scholars have written a great deal about the controversy between Rabbi Yaakov Emden and Rabbi Yonas Neibshitz. Recently, I, I saw, it came out a number of years ago, a very interesting article by Professor Schneer Lehman about the grave of the wife of Rabbi Yonas Neibshitz, where you can see at least uh, a possibility exists that there are definitely Shabtai Tzvi references on the Matseva itself. One of the tshuvas where Rabbi Yaakov Emdin related to his father's tshuva was about that classic case of we call Nital Halev, when the chicken was opened and they didn't find the heart. Now the Chacham Tzvi, of course, said in such a case, there was a heart Nothing can live without a heart. And therefore, the fact that they didn't find the heart only showed that they had lost it or somehow it was misplaced. But it's impossible for an animal to live, or a human being, obviously, to live without a heart. Therefore, there was a heart and the chicken is kosher. As we said in the shiur about the Chacham Tzvi, many people disagreed with this Chacham Tzvi and it became also a, a big topic of controversy. Rabbi Yaakov Emden, surprisingly, to my mind, did not endorse the extreme position of the Chacham Tzvi completely. In Tshuva Kufchaf Aleph, he wrote a Tshuva to someone who had the exact case of what we would call Chasrat Alev or Nitan Alev. And the person had inquired from, from Yaakov Emden if he could father, if he could follow the tshuva of his father and eat this chicken. So Rabbi Yaakov Emden replied that I would like to stop you from making a mistake or misinterpreting what my father said. It does seem that my father said that no, nothing can live without a heart. And even if witnesses would come and say there was no heart, we would say they're lying or they made a mistake. It's impossible to live without a heart. But, Rabbi Yaakov Emden added, I don't think that my father would relied on that heter by itself. In that particular case, there were other reasons to say it was mutter. For example, Natshuva of the Chacham Tzvi, he said that they had seen this chicken before it was shechted, and it was very healthy. They saw no organ that looked shriveled, that looked that looked unusual. They saw a healthy 
chicken doing, living like a normal chicken. So, he wrote that the chicken was kosher, but perhaps he would not have said this would be kosher unless he had other factors which we included in the tshuva. This seems to me to be rather a, a mild interpretation of the Chacham Tzvi. But the Rabbi Yaakov Emden, as a student of his father, said, if I knew for sure that they had checked the chicken very carefully, I and they had not seen a heart, and there's no possibility of it falling, then I think I would pass in its strafe. If there was no reason to suspect that the chicken, the heart did not get lost, if there was some reason to assume that it got lost, then I would eat, I would eat from that chicken. Because my father passed him that way, and who's not? Who's going to argue with him? Whatever he passed him, but I would not always pass him like like him. In case where there was no reyesa involved, so he would say that in this case the animal was a trefa. I don't know what the chacham tzvi himself would have said, but it's interesting to see how Rabbi, Yonis, how Rabbi Yaakov Emdin somehow. Uh, put a twist on the Chacham Tzvi. Is that what the Chacham Tzvi meant? It's hard for me to know for sure. Because of the interest in the Chacham, of, the, of Rabbi Yaakov Emden in studying if grammar, Ivrit, etc., I'd like to relate to a tshuva in the first chilek of Shut Yavitz, where he was asked about, or more, he himself raised the question, if a, if a person is allowed to learn grammar, Hebrew grammar, diktuk, in the bathroom. His first impression was that it certainly should be permitted, because a secular topic, and here you see that he considered diktuk a secular topic, would be allowed to be studied in the bathroom, even if you study it in Hebrew or what we call Lashon HaKodesh. He said, I rely on this concept to read philosophic works that were translated into Hebrew. For example, the books of, of Aristotle. Even books that were written about other topics. I would allow to study even in Hebrew in the bathroom. When Bnei Israel spoke Hebrew and they lived in their land, they obviously spoke Hebrew in the bathroom. So even though there is Kedusha of the Lashon, it's called Lashon HaKodesh, but it's permitted in the bathroom to talk about mundane, secular things in the bathroom. However, Rabbi Yaakov Emden then turned about and said, but there is another reason it's usher to study diktuk in the bathroom. Because basically, how do we study diktuk? How do we know the principles of Hebrew? We know it by using Tanakh. 
where you understand how the words were formed in Tanakh. And therefore, it's impossible to think about diktuk without studying, without thinking about Tanakh, which would be stud, which would be usher in the studying the bathroom. Then he continues to say that he heard that the Ramban, Nachmanides, would study secular literature in the bathroom and make sure that he avoided studying Torah in the bathroom. And he says, Bartanura says this clearly in Perkeyavos, and such was the custom of his father. So, apparently, they, their purpose in studying secular subjects in the bathroom was partly, at least, in order to avoid studying uh, something, learning Torah, which would be forbidden. So, Rabbi Yaakov Emden suggests, why didn't they study Diktuk? Obviously, he thought that studying diktuk in the bathroom is improper because of the reason we said above, that it involves learning Tanakh. The subject of what he studied and how he studied becomes here very interesting, where he quotes both the Ramban and his father, the Chacham Tzvi, as studying secular literature in the bathroom. Of course, in the yeshiva world, they talk about the Vilna Gaon studying mathematics in the bathroom, and they say that he was a genius in mathematics too and wrote a book uh, about geometry. Another tshuva that I happened to discuss in another context recently was a tshuva about birchas koanim at night. Of course, for the people who live in Chutzlaretz, the question is sounds almost irrelevant. When do you ever have birchas uh, koanim at night? In Eretz Israel, when they have birchas koanim on Yom Kippur at Neila. So the question is, at what time do you have to be? Are you still able to say birchas koanim in Yeshivat Haaretzion? We're very meticulous. We dive in Ni'ila by a schedule in order to make sure that we finish Ni'ila, or actually we finish Birchas Kohanim before Shkia, so that the Kohanim can do the Bracha. Because of that, obviously, we have to slow down the Tefillah from then on in order to finish later in the day. Because there's a significant amount of time between the Shkia, where Birchas Kohanim is finished just by the Shkia, and, of course, the time when it's proper to end uh, or blow shofar, Matzah Yom Kippur. The Ashkenazim have a custom to do ni- to have Birchas Kohanim even at night. That is the assumption that the question is based upon. But other people said that this custom should be abolished because Nesias Kapayim is considered like an Avoda. The Torah compared or contrasted the fact that Aaron did the Avoda and gave Birchas Kohanim. So, since Nesias Kapayim is like an Avoda. How can you have Avoda 
at night. Interestingly enough, in the Shulchan Aruch, there's a discussion between the Mechaber and the Rama whether you can do Birchas Kanim at night. The Birch, the in Nila, the Mechaber says we do Birchas Kanim at Nila. The Rama says the custom is not to do Birchas Kanim at Nila. Now the Rabbi Yaakov Emden said the Maril said we do Nisias Kapayim at night. The Chufa of Rabbi Yaakov Emden says, I don't have a Maharil. So I can't look it up to see exactly what his line of reasoning is. But I think it must be as follows. In Yerushalmi, Rav said that Ni'ila means Ni'ila Shari Shamayim, which is nighttime. Now there's a Mishnah in Tanis that says there's Birchas Kohanim in Ni'ila. So since Rav said Ni'ila is nighttime, and we know there's Nesias Kapayim, so there is actually Nesias Kapayim at nighttime. Your question would be, how can you compare, how can you contrast Birchas Kohanim to Avoda? And say, the same way there's no Avoda at night, there should not be Nesias Kapayim at night. My answer would be that Rav does not think there's a direct comparison for all purposes between Nesias Kapayim and Avoda. For example, a Balmum, a person, who, a Kohen who has some sort of a Mum, can, is allowed to do Nesias Kapayim. We do say that if it's a Mum that people might stare at, then it's improper for him to do Berchaz Kohanim. But let's say it's a Mum that no one would see, then he could do Birchas Kohanim. But a, a Balmum is Pasul Avoda. Why can he do Birchas Kohanim? We must say that Birchas Kohanim is not considered an Avoda for all purposes. He also says, Rabbi Yaakov Emden, that nighttime there is Avoda. It's true there's Avodas Yom and Avodas Laila. The carbon Tamid is, is in the daytime, but the Akrava Simurim is at nighttime. So perhaps it's enough to say that Avodas Halayla is true, and even if Nesias Kapayim is a din like Avoda, maybe it's Avoda of the nighttime as well. Eventually, Rabbi Yaakov Endin says he did attain a copy of the Maril, and he found, found that the Maharil quoted the opinion that you do Nesias Kapayim at night, and the Mahari Segal asked, how could it be? And I said, because, the, the Maharil said, because of Hakravasi Murim. So the Rabbi Yaakov Emden said, I see that we, I had, my own intention was like the idea of the Maharil, and therefore, you can do Birchazakonim at nighttime. The Mishnabura suggests a Pshara. He said that even if we would say you don't do Nesias Kapayim at nighttime, but if it's after Benashmashas, as long as it's considered Yom, according to Rabbeinu Tam, the Mishnabura says we could rely on Rabbeinu Tam to say that you could do Birchas Koranim.
because according to Rabbeinu Tam, until 13 minutes before Tzitzit of Rabbeinu Tam is Yom. So even though we consider it Ben Hashmashos, and according to some opinions it's already Laila, but you can rely on Rabbeinu Tam for this purpose. People have relied on this opinion to do Bechaz Kohanim Ben Hashmashos on Neila even if they did not reach Bechaz Kohanim before Shkia. We now have two opinions with the opinion of Rabbi Yaakov Emden based on the Ma'aril that you could actually do Nesias Kapayim at night and even if you don't pass him that way but as long as you're in Ben Hashmashas you're before the Ben Hashmashas of Rabbi Tam, which would be a lot later than where a person would normally be up to even if you dive in uh, in America where you dive in Ne'ila later but still, you're going to be up to Be'echaz Kodim before Ben Hashmashos of Rabbeinu Tam. So according to Rabbi Yaakov Emden, based on the Ma'aril, you could do Be'echaz Kodim at that time, and apparently that was the custom in Ashkenaz. Another question that is relevant today, but also you see the, some of the personality of Rabbi, Yaak- of Rabbi Yaakov Emden in this question was in Shuvah Samech Dalid, he was asked about making a Mishaberach on Shabbos. The person who asked the question thought that it's not proper to ask to make a Mishaberach for something that's necessary on Shabbos. But if it's not necessary on Shabbos, but it's necessary later in the week or at a different time, then it might be permitted. Rabbi Yaakov Emden said he doesn't understand that logic at all. The opposite should be true. If it's necessary for Shabbos, then we could discuss a heter. If it's necessary for after Shabbos, there's no heter at all. He gave an example. We know that you're allowed to go to a chacham, to a bezdin, to do hatarat nedarim on Shabbos, if it's necessary for Shabbos. But not if it's not necessary for Shabbos. So he said, similarly, to ask for a who needs an immediate refuah on Shabbos, then we could discuss a heter. But not if it's a long-term uh, type of illness. He said, a discussion of the tour revolves around the question whether a person in benching can say, You're asking for parnasa. The tour says it really should be usher. But, since it's a normal form of, of tefillah, it's matbeya habrachas, you're allowed to say it on Shabbos. If you'd ask me, in a type of a cynical comment, is since we say it every day, we don't have any intention of what we're saying anyway. So we're not asking for bakasha, we're just repeating the words. But, the tour obviously didn't mean that, he just said that matbeya habrachas is permitted. But obviously, says the Rabbi Yaakov Amtin, that the question of saying Parnasein V'chakaleinu is not referring to this meal, is not referring to Shabbos, because obviously whatever you have for Shabbos, you have already. You're not asking somehow to get more Parnasa for that particular Shabbos. Your food is either ready or not ready. So it's obviously referring to the future. And for the future, says the tour, you would not be allowed to ask in the future, except for the fact that it's Matbe'a Brachas. 
But here, I said, we see part of the personality of Rabbi Yaakov Emden. He said, the reason for not asking for bakashos on Shabbos is because speech on Shabbos should not be the same as during the week. The fact that the Chazanim make all the Meshaberachs and people give them a Yashikayach is wrong. They're only doing it for their own benefit. They not, do not concern themselves with the damage that's done by these, by these brachas. And we don't always have the strength to protest. But if somebody does have the strength, he should protest and not allow to have these mishaberachs. And he ends by saying many people have the habit of adding these extra mishaberachs, etc. And sometimes they even finish davening in the morning of Shabbos by chatzos, which is a disgrace to the leaders. I would, if I had power, I would stop this custom completely. It's a problem of ending tefillah shachar by chatzos. Of course, in Eretz Yisrael, where most people, most shuls daven approximately 8 o'clock, even those who daven 8.30, they finish davening in two hours, they finish at 10.30, they're home way before chatzos. In Chutzar, as I remember, many shuls daven at 9 o'clock and finish, if not after chatzos, very close to chatzos. Chacham of the son of the Chacham Tzvi, Rabbi Yaakov Emden, would certainly try to abolish that particular custom. Another point that I personally was involved in was in Simon Ayin Zion, the Rav Emden was asked about a person who had accepted the Ashkenazi custom of not Take cutting his hair from Shibasa Batamas till Tishabaf. What happened was someone passed away after the original three weeks. And they considered this as Tachfu Avelus. One Avelus came after the other. And therefore, they said he's allowed to cut his hair. The tshuva says that this is not a good psak. It's based on a mistake in interpretation of the Shulchan Aruch. And you should not follow this psak even though he went on to give a whole explanation, perhaps it would be permitted because of the concept of two Avelus in a row, but there's a time now to stand in the breach against such a position. Why? Because many people today, unfortunately, when they cut their hair, they'll use a razor to cut their beard. They're 
going to be over Isurei Torah. So in order to make a siag to the Torah, not to be allow them to transgress all the Isurim connected with shaving, I would tell them to not to shave. Then he talks about, in very strong language, against the people who shave with razor blades. Then Rev. Emden also goes on a diatribe against the person who asked the question. It seems from the answer that the person who had, wrote, had written the question had written a, a rather lengthy letter and Rabbi Yaakov Emden said, it was a burden for me to read the whole thing. I have no interest in reading people, reading letters that people who want to argue with people, who people don't understand the principles. I would just say what I want to who asked me. I'll never tell you to listen to me. You want to, Vakasha. But to waste my time, I'm not interested. And it bothers me that you made me b- trouble for so for no reason. But of course, he does end by saying, any tshuva that's addressed to me, if someone wants to know my opinion, I'm happy to answer them, and I'll, I'll pay the postage, and I'll do everything necessary to answer them. But don't bother me with things that are not relevant. We were talking about the three weeks, and since we're about to begin the three weeks, I'd like to conclude with a tshuva of that he was asked if a person has a talis, but it tore, and now the talis is puzzle, and it can't be fixed, could he buy a new talis in the week of Tishabaf? And Rabbi Yaakov Emden answered, if he could fulfill the mitzvah of tzitzes somehow, then he should not buy a new talis this week. If there is no other way, he can't even borrow a talis, so then he permitted him to buy a new talis in the week of Tishabav. He points out that when I say a new talis, I mean a ta- a, you cannot, I'm, I'm allowing you to, to buy a talis if there is no way for you to fulfill the mitzvah tzitzis. For example, if you could go to shul and borrow a talis for davening, then I would not allow you to make a new Talis, even though that means you don't wear tzitzes the whole day. Now, the idea of wearing tzitzes during the day is considered really important. The Gemara in Menacho says that if a person does makes some sort of a, a, a trick and doesn't wear tzitzes, HaKadosh Baruch Hu can even punish him in the time when HaKadosh Baruch Hu is upset. Or he quotes the Gemara that a person who doesn't wear tzitzis is like a menude la shamayim. So he says that's only if bemazed a person doesn't wear tzitzis. This fellow, on the other hand, wants to wear tzitzis. He's not going to wear tzitzis because the Chachamim said not to buy new clothes during the Shavuot Shechalbo. So it's better to listen to the Chachamim in such a case. He didn't do anything. It's a Sheva Al-Tase, and I don't have to worry about the fact that he's called the Menuda la Shamayim. And therefore, I would not allow him to buy a new talis. But if there is no other way for him to fulfill the mitzvah of tzitzis, at least during davening, then he said in such a case he would permit him to buy a new talis even in the week of 
Tisha B'Av.